0: Last week, uh, Jesus gave a very strong message to a large crowd that was gathered to follow him around, and in most cases, as I said, when we have a large crowd, we do everything we can to keep the crowd happy and to keep them coming back and keep them entertained, and we are guilty of some of that in, in the church these days as well, but jesus wasn't that way he laid it right out there and he said anyone who wants to be my disciple must be willing every day to pick up a cross and carry it and carrying a cross meant you were a dead person walking that you were no longer controlled and by yourself but you were under the control of the lord your god and he said if you want to do that you need to count the cost before you become one of his disciples and i said that Believers in Christ were first called disciples. They were not called Christians until Antioch. That was when they were called Christians. First called Christians was in Antioch. We know that from the book of Acts. Well, now he follows up that lesson with a very positive word in regard to the lost person who might be out there straying far from God. And so this morning in Luke 15, we're going to see three stories that give an illustration that Jesus talks about the value of the lost. So let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God and for the faithfulness of Luke and recording the words and steps of Jesus that we might learn from them ourselves this morning. We thank you, God, for the heart of compassion that you have for the least among us and for those who are wandering and have been led astray by the things of this world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we we had a dog named Missy that we got when we first came here to uh, Gunnison. And Missy was a prodigal dog. Um, <laughs> Missy frequently ran off. And there were so many times that I would get so upset when we get her back, and I'd just say to the kids at that time they were living with at our home, we got to get rid of this dog. And, of course, they'd break into tears, and they'd just cry, oh, no, 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 we love Missy, we've got to have Missy. And then off Missy would go again, and Missy got familiar with the Catholic Church, the Baptist Church, the community church, the uh, uh, the bars all over town. Uh, the wet grocer where they gave out treats, and, uh, and you'd think, well, what was wrong with you guys that you couldn't keep Missy at home? Well, I'll tell you, if you've ever tried to keep a wayward dog home, it's like trying to keep someone who's just tromping at the bed to leave. It, you just can't do it. It was just, it, she would slither off, sneak off, look for ways, even at 13 years plus, When she could barely walk, we got a call from a neighbor and said, your old dog is walking up the street headed towards Main Street, and it's just the way it was. Well, now we're taking care of our son Josh's dog named Rocky, and Rocky's the dog that stays home, and it's amazing to have a dog that stays home. (laughs) Except, Linda had Rocky in the car with her this past weekend, and she's at a stoplight, And Rocky jumps right out the window. So what does she do? Of course, she gets out of the car. She scrambles around. She's she's trying to get the dog back in the car. There's a car behind her. She said they were very patient because it ran through the green light and back to the red light before Rocky was back in the car. Uh, We had a son like this. Uh, Josh, <laughs> when he was two years old, we lived in Taiwan. We hadn't been there very long. He was a very blonde-headed little boy that had lots of curiosity. We were in the flower market, and Taiwan has the second most densely populated group of people on the planet. And so everywhere you went, it was just throngs of people all surrounded and gathered in together. We went by a bunch of birds in cages, and we were walking along, and Josh was going, birdies, birdies. We were trying to buy a Christmas tree. It was just going to be a little fern thing at the market. And next thing you know, Josh is missing. And we're frantic at that point, looking for him, trying to find him, you know. And, of course, we stand out in this throng of Chinese people, and so we had limited language at that point, but we were asking, we were running around, we were saying, you know, have you, you know, we described a little boy, of course he stood out, and, and, and the Chinese folks were great, because they kept saying, that way, with their fingers. So we were friendly, we kept looking, looking, he was going in the opposite direction of the birds, but that's what his objective was, in mind was to go after birds. Now, um, all of you at one time or another have probably lost something of value to you and we're frantically looking for it. And when it comes to kids, uh, you know, if anybody out there would say, oh, we've never lost a kid, let me tell you, you don't have any kids. <laughs> because I can guarantee you, at some point along the line, you've lost a kid. And it wasn't like Oh, that's okay, we still have three more at home. (laughs) You're going to go looking for that kid. It doesn't matter. So in this story that Jesus tells us today, he starts with a story about sheep. And there's a shepherd that has a hundred sheep in the flock. And one lamb has wandered off from the flock, and the shepherd leaves the 99 to go find the one that has strayed away. And then he tells a story about a woman who no doubt in my mind is a widow who has very little money, but she has ten silver coins. Each one represented uh, probably, you know, uh, you know, a significant amount of money to her, and she couldn't find that one coin. It was lost. It had dropped in her house somewhere, so she gets a light. She tells her neighbors. She has everybody uh, worried and wondering, where is that lost coin? She finds that lost, She finds the lost coin. She picks it. I found my lost coin. Everybody's rejoicing and everybody is excited and ecstatic and really happy. And so there you have. You know, you have a flock of sheep. You have ten coins with a woman who has lost a a, a coin. And then he moves on to the story of the prodigal son. In his telling of this wonderful, wonderful story. And so this morning, uh, probably a, a, a most of what we'll do, and I'm going to read this from the message today. I'm going to read the stories. Of, it's, it's in Luke 15, if you would like to look on in your Bible. Uh, Jesus is telling these stories to a group of Pharisees and religious scholars and people who are not all that pleased with him, and were always criticizing him for hanging around with tax collectors and sinners. And have you ever discovered, I mean, it doesn't matter, everyone's a sinner. Whether you're a high-class sinner or a low-class sinner, everybody's a sinner. Is that right? I mean, we are. It doesn't really matter. By the time a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently, the Pharisees and religious scholars were not pleased, not at all. They growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating like, like them like old friends. Their grumbling triggered this story. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? And when found, you can be sure you would put it across your shoulders, rejoicing. And when you got home, call in your friends and neighbors and say, Celebrate with me. I have found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over ninety-nine good people in no need of rescue. Or imagine a woman who has ten coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and scour the house, looking in every nook and cranny until she finds it? And when she finds it, you can be sure she'll call her friends and neighbors. Celebrate with me. I found my lost coin. Count on it. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul turns to God. Then he said, there was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through that country, and he began to hurt. He signed on with a citizen there, who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. That brought him to his senses, and he said, All those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son, Take me on as a hired hand. He got right up and went home to his father. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him, his heart pounding. He ran out, embraced him, kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants, Quick, Bring a clean set of clothes and dressing. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive. Given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. All this time, his older son was out in the field. When the day's work was done, he came in. As he approached the house... He heard the music and the dancing, calling over one of the houseboys. He asked, what was going on? He told him, your brother has come home. Your father has ordered a feast, barbecued beef, because he has him home safe and sound. The older brother stalked off in an angry sulk and refused to join in. His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. The son said, look. How many years I've stayed here serving you, never giving you one moment of grief, but have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Then this son of yours, who has thrown away your money on whores, shows up and you go all out with a feast. His father said, Son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time and everything that is mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time and we had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead and he's alive, he was lost, and he's found. Every time Jesus tells a parable, we can see representations of the individuals that he's talking about. Of course, the shepherd, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. The sheep, in Isaiah it says, we all like sheep have gone astray, every one to his own way, straight off, straight away. In the case of the woman, God is like that woman who is looking for that lost coin because God cares so much about those who are lost. And then Jesus tells this story about the rebellious son and the faithful one. And, and the Father represented there. And I think about that with each one of us. If it's true that all of us like sheep, have gone astray at one time or another, perhaps in your life, you personally, this is me as well, we were all straying sheep. And it wasn't so much that we found God, it was that he found us. And didn't you recognize, once you turned your life over to him, that he had been there all along in your life and in your pathway, and caring for you just didn't see it, you just didn't know it? He is the one who is looking for those who are lost. He is the one who has the heart of a compassionate father, seeking each and every one. The scripture says that, God loves everyone, and he's unwilling that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All of us, in some form or fashion, have had the, the spirit of rebellion in us because that's what it says about us as human beings. We have a spirit of rebellion in us that wants to turn against God. It goes back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. There's a spirit of rebellion in us that, that needs to be uh, addressed in each of our hearts and each of our spirits that we want to go our own way and do our own thing. Well, this son was one of those that you could not hold back. You, th- you might think, well, why did the father go ahead and give the inheritance to this, this child who had been so rebellious and the rebellious spirit is someone who's innovated and so forth, but no doubt already had shown uh, indications of being, being fairly lazy, being disobedient, Uh, being a, a person who was unreliable, who would go off and do something else once you asked him to do something, and now he's coming and asking for his share of the inheritance, and the father gives it to him. Knowing full well, I'm sure, that this boy would not stick around because you know what, you can't hold rebellion back, and God doesn't do that with us either. He lets us go. If we're determined to run away from him, from his family, from his flock, From a relationship with him, he will let us go until we can discover for ourselves what it's like to really be out there without him. And this boy did that very thing. He went to a distant land, and here now, after having lost everything, squandered all of his money, finds himself a Jewish boy taking care of pigs. That's how far he had fallen. But we also see in this boy the same nature of rebellion that people have that are determined to go their own way, a stubborn will that's hard to be broken inside of an individual, and it wasn't until it went all the way to the point where he was laying in a pigsty, wanting to eat the pig's food, that it says in the scripture he finally came to his senses. Well, that took a lot. I mean, you'd think that he would start coming to his senses when... He suffered the consequences of starting to spend his money and all the things that he did and realized that his people that were around him were not really friends, that they were just around him for his money. And once the money was gone, you would think maybe when the money was gone, he would consider and come to his senses, but no, still had that will inside of him. Maybe at this point he was afraid to go home. Maybe at this point he was thinking, what is my father going to say? What's my dad going to say? Boy, I'll tell you what, I know that some of the things that my kids have had to tell me, I know in their mind before they said something to me about it, they had to tell me, but I know in their mind is, oh man, what's he going to say? <laughs> what's he going to do? But we have a stubborn will in us that until we're completely broken down for some, until we come to the very end of our resources, the very end of our pathway, that we finally come to our senses and all of a sudden we have this awakening like this young man did. I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you, and my father. And it's better for me to go home no matter what the consequences are. I will go home and even be a servant in my own father's house because at least his servants are treated better than my life is right now. So he came home. In the meantime, then the father, who has great compassion, I'm sure, and had this son who he truly believed was dead, all of a sudden sees him, and and this, have you ever seen an old guy running? (laughs) I mean, an old guy running. That's uncharacteristic of old guys. And so here he is running to meet up with his son, and, and while that son is trying to confess to him, the father's, also saying, celebrate, let's, let's be happy here. What was lost is found. The lost sheep has returned to the flock. The lost coin has been found in the house. The lost son has been discovered. Uh, in the meantime, the older son is, is out in the field working, and he's been faithful and dutiful all the way through. But what's fallen inside the heart of the older son is the spirit of religion has fallen inside of the heart of the older son. The spirit of religion. Now, what is the spirit of religion uh, that has fallen inside of the heart of the the boy? I'll tell you kind of some characteristics of the, the spirit of religion. Religion is about tradition. Religion is about the rules. Religion is about being very conservative and, 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 and being moral, and that's not all bad, but religion is about being obedient, and is, religion is about working hard. Religion is about invisible sin. Rebellion, that was out there. The, young, the younger son, his sin, was out there for all to see. It was very obvious. But religious people sometimes harbor things in their hearts. Uh, they they take a self-righteous attitude. They start thinking that they're better than others. They start thinking about what they're owed in life and what was he really laboring for? He was laboring to get his inheritance from his father. So he was using the father too, but just in a different way. And his heart is revealed when this situation occurs. So here we are left with this whole notion of what we mean to God and how he feels about us and how he feels particularly about the lost person who's out there wandering far from him. There are a lot of scenarios, but as a pastor, a lot of times I'll see people who wander off from the church family and they, they separate themselves, they distance themselves from a community of people. They are at risk because now they are out in a wilderness place. And that's a good place where they can be in trouble, where they can be finding trouble as well as trouble finding them. So I worry about people that wander off from the flock. We also have people, though, that are completely lost and are just out there. And I, I think about the, the compassion that God has and the love that God has for the lost person. And I think, shouldn't we feel that same way? Have we fallen into the trap of religion like the older son, where we look at others whose lives are a waste and that they're lost and that they're steeped in sin, and we look at them with judgment and self-righteousness instead of compassion. God looks at the lost with compassion. And he desires to see them come home to him. And we can be his instruments of love and compassion and mercy to those who are out there wandering, straying far from God right now in their lives. We should pray for them. We should have a heart of love for them. We should be ready to welcome them home with celebration just as this father welcomed home this lost son of his own. So there are a lot of lessons here in these stories that Jesus tells. And the crowd that he was speaking to is probably not that much different than the crowd that's gathered here today. Some of you are sitting here pretty lost this morning. You find yourselves here in this crowd, in this congregation, but inwardly you know that you have strayed far from God. My message to you today is that he loves you and he has compassion for you and he wants you to come home. And he'll do it with rejoicing. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how long you've been gone, he's waiting with love and compassion and open arms to receive you. You may have wandered off from church, wandered off from the family, got your feelings hurt, whatever the reason was. And he's out there and he's seeking you. He's looking for you. He's calling you home. He wants you back. Because we only thrive within the context of a community and of a family. That's where we thrive best. And maybe you are here today and God just wants you to have more compassion for the lost that are out there. Instead of judging them secretly inside of your heart. He wants you to be filled with love and compassion for, for them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you enter into our lives and you love us with a love that reaches beyond all that we can imagine because you love us that much. You literally sent your son to die on a cross for us that we might be returned to you in reconciled relationships. Jesus literally puts you on his back like a shepherd carries a lamb. And that's what he did for you on the cross to bring you home. If you're out there somewhere today, if you're sitting in this place and you're a lost sheep, come home to him. He waits with open arms to receive you and all of heaven will rejoice over you. Lord, I pray for our congregation that we as a people, as a church, would have a greater compassion for the lost, greater understanding of the needs of the people that have wandered far from you. Hearts are hard. Certainly they are. They've made a mess of their lives. They've totally wrecked what you've given them. They might be in a pigsty somewhere right now, waiting for someone to lift them out of the mud and tell them that God loves them. I pray you would give us that kind of heart and that compassion and that love for lost people. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Barry's going to come.